Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience, where we want you to experience the power of the true and living God. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience. We are one church in four locations. Please visit LivelyStoneTemple.org for additional information. We hope that you all had a fantastic and blessed Thanksgiving. And there is a lot to be thankful for, amen? I'm thankful for the simple things in life. I have lived with plenty, and I have lived without. And I don't take the simple things in life for granted at all, amen? Let's read Psalm chapter 118, verse 1 of the King James Version. And it reads, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good because his mercy endureth forever. Amen. This message was recorded on November the 28th, 2021. The word of God is being brought forth by Elder Joseph Lee Taylor Jr. Now let's follow along in our Bibles. And let's all read together Mark, Mark's gospel. What I'll do is I'll read the first verse, and it will all come in together on the second verse. Amen. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, both of these Marys, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher. That's a pretty big stone. And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. This was shocking to them that the stone was already rolled away because it was such an enormous blockade. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. They were afraid. And he said unto them, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He is not here. Death could not hold him. Hallelujah. Behold the place where they laid him. If you don't believe that he's not here, look. Behold the place where they laid him. Verse 7, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. I'm going to read verse 7 again. But go your way. Tell his disciples. Somebody say, tell. And Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him, as he said unto you. I want to talk to you this morning from an evangelistic feel or drive, what have vein, from the topic, tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. Look, find somebody and say, tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody. Say, today. Tell somebody about Jesus. Hey, not tomorrow, today. Amen. You may take your seats. I have found out in 34 years of living, I'm not that old, I reckon, 
that there are some conversations that are difficult to have. There are some things that are difficult to talk about. Um, the climate of the day, there are certain political topics that are hot button topics and issues. People fall on different sides of the aisle on various issues. You get among the right group of people and start talking about something as intense as abortion. You might have a fight on your hands. Some people say there's a right constitutional right to an abortion. Some people say it's not. Some people say what's in the womb of the woman is a life. And some people say that it is not. Um, some people don't even need to go that far. You find yourself around the right group of people. They won't even tell you who they're voting for. And who you vote for, hey, buddy, that's a little personal. You know, back up. Get out my business. Find you something else to do. And then there are some topics uh, that we want to discuss that could be about people that are close to us. I have found out that there are some things that I might know about my family that I might not want you to know. Uh, you might know about it and come to me and be like, Elder Till, I heard your brother did thus and such. I might not it might be true, but I might not talk to you about it. Because not because I think you're lying, but because it's a difficult thing for me to talk about. I don't want anyone to know the type of debauchery that my brother has fallen into or gotten himself into. And I certainly don't want to feed into it. And then there are some things on a more personal level that are difficult to talk about that can create blockades that can pull you deeper into that difficult situation. Some people don't want to talk about their finances and they may need help. They won't talk about it. They've got so much pride that they'd rather go more and more in debt or be more and more broke, more and more poor, rather than just simply talk about it with someone to get some help. I have found out with all the difficult things that there are to talk about, there's one difficult thing that is not hard to talk about at all. It is so easy to talk about somebody that you love. Isn't it? When you really care about someone, it's not that difficult to do that. You ever met someone that's uh, just got married? Child, you see that girl, she lit up like the noonday sun, teeth shining like a hundred watt bulb. You can't tell girlfriend nothing. And I ain't, I'm going I'm to be fair to fellas too. You know, he's smiling, oh, he's smiling so hard, he's getting drool on his ears. You can't tell him nothing. Buddy done found him a wife. Buddy done found him someone that he could spend the rest of his life with. And it's so easy for them to talk about each other among their friends and their families and what have you. I believe that it should be even easy, even more easy to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no person on this earth that has done for us what he has done. When you look at the grand, in the grand scheme of things and what Jesus has done for us, it makes it easier and easier not just to talk about him, Sister Mary, but to brag about him. I, I, I look at the Bible and the condition and the predicament that mankind was in. There's one thing that will separate man from God, and that is sin. And that is the one thing that seems to be the most inescapable thing for us. The sin nature that is within us, that propensity to always mess up. 
that propensity, that thing in you that makes you crawl and scratch sometimes and cry and, and look at God while you're on your knees with tears in your eyes saying, Lord, I don't want to do it. But yet Paul says that good thing that I should do, I find myself not doing. But the bad thing that I should not do, I find myself doing the very same thing. He says in the scripture that he, he, he comes to a, a rough conclusion by the time he read the first three books of Romans. Paul does not go out of his way to let us know how wonderful man is. David does that in Psalms 139. In Psalms number eight, he says, who is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? And then he says, I'll praise you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David does a real good job about bragging about mankind. God even does a good job through the author Moses because God lets us know in Genesis, the sixth chapter, that in that day, God, he got down and in dust of the ground and formed man and breathed the breath and life into man and man became a living soul. We see in the Old Testament how strong and how wonderful man can be. But the time Paul gets done with man in Romans, the third chapter, he comes to one conclusion. Every single one of y'all have sinned. We all have sinned. He didn't say, he, he didn't just say y'all, he said all, oh, us, that includes himself, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have done something that has separated us from God. And the price to be paid in Romans 6 and 23 does declared that the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Wages is a paycheck. That's not something God just gave us. That's something you earned. You worked for it. With every sinful act, you worked for this death payment. With every time you disobeyed God, you worked for this. Isn't it weird? Isn't it odd that man is such a, 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 a different type of being that he or she would spend their entire life earning the very thing that will kill them? Doing things that will constantly and consistently separate them from God and not even be repentant about it. Isn't it something that I can come to you and tell you that what you're doing is thrusting you into the clutches of the pits of hell and I want you to turn because I love you and you walk right out from my presence and do the very thing that I told you and warned you about. Man had something going on in his heart, something going on in his mind. Bible lets us know in the Old Testament that even as we these great scriptures we read about man, we find out that man can really get himself into some kind of mess, really get himself into some kind of predicament and situation that is embarrassing and awful. By the God gets done creating man, and by the time we get to Genesis. Oh, we went around Noah's day. We see that the Bible says that all the thoughts and the imaginations of mankind were evil continuously. All day, every day, man thought about wicked things. When he woke up, wickedness was on his mind. When he lied down, wickedness was on his mind. When he rose up, wickedness was on his mind. And when he walked by the way, saints of God, wickedness was on his mind. No wonder Jeremiah declared in the 17th chapter that the heart is deceitful above all and what? Desperately wicked. There's something about mankind's heart that desires to do wicked things. If your heart had its choice 
it would disobey God every time. If your flesh had its way, it would separate you from God every time. Can I remind the saints of God here at Livestone Temple in Columbia that sin still separates you from God? I don't care what this modern age theology tries to tell you. Unrepentant sin puts distance between you and God. God has given us a remedy called repentance and confession and forsaking to deal with these things. But the fact that we need to repent, confess, and forsake is only a testimony to how raggedy I really am. Paul would say it this way, that we, uh, we uh, have this treasure in earthen vessels. He calls us clay pots. In another place in the scripture, the writer declares that in a, in a house, in a great house, there are certain vessels. There are vessels of silver and of gold. The vessels of silver and gold are the vessels that are used to carry out the better elements of the day. You want to bring a good guest over to your house and feed them well. You're going to bring out the vessels and the trays that are made out of silver and gold and feed the people with that so you can make your best impression and be hospitable towards them. But by the time Paul comes around to the predicament of mankind, he says, we have a great treasure, but this treasure is in clay pots. Clay pots were what they used to throw out garbage. Clay pots were what they used to collect refuse in. Clay pots were what they used to store the elements that were rotting and no good. When you wanted to get rid of something, you put it in a clay pot. Clay pots were made out of fragile material. They were easily cracked and easily broken, easily damaged and not easily put back together. Paul says that's what we are. We are those kinds of vessels. So the next time you begin to be used by God and begin to be used in a magnanimous way, I want you to remember that it ain't your clay pot self that's doing it, but it is the treasure that is inside of you that is enabling you to do the things that God wants to do in you. He says, we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency may be of the power of God and not of us. I want God to do a great thing in me because I realize what I am without God. Have you ever taken the time to look in the mirror and tell yourself you're nothing without Jesus? You can't hit a lick at a stick, bow wow at a dog, or meow at a cat if God don't give you the grace. You can't do nothing without him. No wonder, no wonder God spent so much time making provision for us because he saw how pitiful we are. He saw how raggedy and no good we can be. How many of you know we can be some low down folk if we really, really want to? And I'm not talking about unsaved folk. I'm talking about the saints. I'm talking about tongue-talking folk. I'm talking about baptizing Jesus' name folk. I'm talking about folk that are claiming to hold up the bloodstained banner for our Lord. We can be some folk that sure enough need a dramatic assistance from God. And so God puts these sort of bulwarks in place to let you know that he's coming to help us and get us out of this raggedy situation. But it would be no good for us to him to get us out of the 
situation and not change us when he brings us out. You know, one thing that the prisoner needs when he comes out of jail is rehabilitation. One thing that the hurt person needs when they come out of the hospital, when they get the cast off of their arm and their foot, is they need to be rehabbed. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God didn't just take the cast off, but he rehabbed me as well. And by the time he got done rehabbing me, I could testify like Paul that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm glad that God got me out and he kept me out so he could clean me up. Hallelujah. And that's what God wanted to do. As a matter of fact, he would come along one day and let you know exactly what you must do in order to take advantage of what he has made available unto us. He told someone somewhere one day, if you believe on me, as the scripture has said, then out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Now, you can't just believe on him, but he says, you've got to believe on me as the scripture has said. And so the question is now, what has the scripture said about me? And what has the scripture said about God? Can I tell you what the scripture says about me, about you and about us? The scripture says that no man can say that he have not sinned. Scripture says about us that we have desperately wicked hearts. Scripture says about us that we have eyes that are quick to set evil things before it. Scripture says about us that we, that we have feet that are swift to run toward evil. Scripture says about us that we have hands that shed innocent blood. Scripture says about us that we have tongues that speak our blessings and curses. Scripture says about us that we are able to let corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. Scripture says about us that we are lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. Scripture says about us that if any man says that he have not sinned, he's a liar and he makes God a liar. Scripture says about us that we are lost and in darkness. Scripture says about us that in him we can live and move and have our being, but the scripture also says says let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and turn unto God. There has been an indictment against mankind for turning his back on God. And the more and the farther we got into sin, the greater the indictment came in our lives. And so Paul begins to admonish us to walk in the spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I promise promise you right now that if you do not dedicate your life to spiritual things, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh every single time. And can I tell you what's going to happen when you're done with that? The Bible declares that when let no man say that when he is tempted, that he is tempted of God. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Hallelujah. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. You might let the devil fool you that the little sin that you're doing ain't going to make no bigger difference. But I come to let you know that when big sin is finished, it brings forth death. That when medium-sized sin is finished, it brings forth death. And when little sin is finished, it brings forth death. No matter how you play with it, I come to let you know it's going to kill you in the end. 
Oh, I remember I read a book one time about a man that got killed by cyanide poisoning. He took poison. He took a pill about that big, and the man died after taking the pill. It wasn't no big pill. It wasn't no giant jug of poison. It was the smallest thing that he took that took him out of here. And maybe that's the trick of the adversary. He wants to lull us to sleep into believing that it ain't that big a deal. But how many of you know if God calls it a big deal it's a big deal and it's time for us to stop letting the devil repackage sin in our lives and that's what the world around us is doing they're repackaging sin into smaller little gift wrap packages to make it more palatable unto you uh-uh no 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 we're not gonna do that we're gonna call sin sin how many of you know that the only way to get delivered is to first acknowledge that there's actually a problem in your life and when you repackage the problem to call it something that is not you'll never deal with the problem that's inside of you and so what we do now is we take same-sex marriage and call it an alternative lifestyle no it's just sin hallelujah we take alcoholism and call it just enjoying ourselves but no it's just sin and we say stupid things to try to justify the sin in our lives but the more you try to justify it the deeper you are digging yourself into a hole and creating distance between you and God does anybody know what it feels like to be so gone from the presence of God and when you finally make up your mind to repent you have to crawl back into the presence of God you feel like you got a weight on your shoulders just trying to hear his voice again just wanting him to talk to you again just wanting him to hear you again this is what sin does to you it lets it dulls your ear to the things of God my God what happened you used to wake up out your sleep speaking in tongues what have you done you used to beat everybody to the church couldn't nobody get the Bible study quicker than, than you what have you done you used to have a Rolodex of scriptures painted on the canvas of your mind and could spit out the word of God like the best computer could and now you can hardly remember how to bless your food before you eat my God what happened the Bible declares woe unto them that have grown at ease in Zion can I tell you that that sin will put you to sleep in the church and send you to hell on a church bus send you to hell on an altar send you to hell in a long skirt send you to hell with a bible under your arm and send you to hell singing in the choir because you don't want to deal with the sin that is in your life and can I tell you something else uh, don't let false doctrine teaching perfectionists fool you that you can get so sanctified that sin will never ever run across your mind at all because how many of you know some situations uh, can arise in your life that can make you question the very ground and the footing that you stand on have you ever been there have you ever wanted to cuss them out have you ever wanted to slap them have you ever wanted to put them out to have you ever wanted to tell them to shut up? Have you ever had to go?
hold on to this and, and catch yourself because if they said one more word to you, oh, unsaved Sally was going to pop out and show these folk that I ain't forgot how to ring it like the bell I used to be. Hallelujah. Um, don't let folk fool you into believing because you are going to rock yourself to sleep because you're not aware of the propensity that's still in you. That thing is still in you like a volcano ready to erupt in your life. If you are not walking in the spirit, you'll do it every time. And so God sees the situation that mankind is in. He looks at Noah drunk and naked in a cave. He looks at Elijah crying in depression. He looks at the widow's son dying. He looked at the people of God in the book of Judges turning their back on him time and time again. He looks at Cain killing his only brother Abel. He looks at Adam and Eve eating from the tree after he told them not to. He looks at his own people going off into debauchery and sin. He looks at people worshiping the god Molech and sacrificing their own children and burning them alive as they sacrifice them to a false god. He looks through the annals of time and sees the situation that they are in and says that something must be put in place to buy them out and rehab them onto a new life. Hallelujah. And so what he does is he uses a tool called prophecy. Ah, so he can give people hope. How many of you thank God for the hope that is in Jesus? Hallelujah. Ah, I do what I do because I have a great hope. And Sister Mary, if he didn't give me hope, I don't know what I'd do. Sister Street, if he didn't remind me that I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you, I don't know how I'd make it. But I read in the Old Testament that God began to give prophecy to help people out. He let them know one place in Ezekiel that I'm getting the, the, the word that I need you to do the way that I need you to walk it's on stone tablets now it's on parchments of paper but that ain't doing you no good I'm getting ready to do something where I can write it on your heart hallelujah no wonder David declared thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee hallelujah and so I'm the people of God are dying now but prophecy begins to give them hope I'm so glad also that the prophecy came to the folk that was standing strong for the Lord. Isn't it good to know that even in a wicked world that God is not going to be without a remnant. God's not going to be without a prophet. There's always going to be someone here still to declare the works of the Lord. And so they were there standing in, the, in, in Jerusalem and in Judea and wherever God had them. And he sent prophets to his people to tell you go down there and tell my folk I said hold on just a little while longer hold on just a little while. don't give up I know it's dark I know you hate it I know you've got a heart for righteousness I know you've got a heart to serve the Lord and I have not forgotten about you I see how everybody's turned around I see how the church has turned their back on you you came back to the church crying with tears in your
your eyes and all they wanted to do was beat you up. You came back to the altar crying out for your family member, crying out for your loved one and all they wanted to do was know why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? It's time for us to loosen up a little bit and help somebody out and open up our mouths and let somebody lay their head on your chest and say it's going to be alright. God sent you here so I can tell you to hold on just a little while longer. Hang on in there. God said I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming and he who shall come will come and he will not tarry. I'm so glad to know that one prophecy after another Deacon Toby, he let me know that he was coming. He told me through Isaiah that my great God's going to come. He told me through Isaiah that a child's going to be born and a son shall be given. He told me through Ezekiel, hallelujah, that I'm going to take out that stony heart that you got and give you a heart of flesh. How are you going to do it, Jesus? He says that I'm going to come down into the earth. I'm so glad that we serve a God that knows how to up the stakes a little bit, you know. He says that you're down there fighting the devil by yourself. You're down there giving it to his sins without any help. All you've got is a law that's written on some paper. But I'm getting ready to come down to the earth myself. And I'm going to confront the devil eye to eye and face to face and let him know that I'm getting ready to plant a people in the earth that's going to whoop your behind every time they get out the bed. And I'm going to set them up like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. And they're going to be the light of the world. And every dark place that you try to bring about, I'm sending my people there. High is so Jesus uh, comes onto the scene in Matthew chapter 3. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And he, after that, the Bible says after Jesus was baptized he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost to be tempted of the devil. Here goes the showdown. Jesus is standing toe to toe with the devil and the devil says unto him after 40 days of fasting he said if thou be the son of God I know you're hungry. Command these stones to be turned into bread. Jesus says unto him man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Our round one goes to Jesus. Hallelujah. And here we go again. The devil comes out uh, out of his corner ready to fight Jesus. And he says, you take him up on a hill and says, look at all these kingdoms out here. I'll give you every single one of them if you would just bow before me. And Jesus says, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Ah, isn't that what we talked about in Sunday school this morning? Your worship belongs to God. Your hand clap belongs to God. Your hallelujah belongs to Jesus. Your thank your God belongs to him. Your run, your dance, and your shout, it belongs to Jesus and you're going to worship him and him only somebody open your mouth and say yes Lord Ah, my worship belongs to him and God comes out of the wilderness but before he comes out the Bible says that then Satan leaveth how many of you know that your obedience is getting ready to put the devil out of your business your worship of God is getting ready to take you to the place of obedience that God wants you to be and he declared that if you are willing and obedient you shall eat the good 
of the land. Somebody touch yourself and say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Well, you want to eat, be obedient. Because if you're willing and obedient, Sister Zimmerman, he's going to let you eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. And so the showdown is over. And Jesus makes his way through city after city, proving unto people that there's a way for you to win this battle in your flesh with the adversary. We see Jesus casting out foul spirits time and time again. We see Jesus, oh my God, opening up blinded eyes. We see Jesus calming a storm and they declare, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the seas do obey him. I tell you what kind of man he was. He was God in the flesh. He was more than just a man. To wit that God was in Christ is what the Bible tells me. And we find out here that Jesus is going on healing after healing, healing act after healing act. And people were very impressed by what he was doing. But we know that he was the God of the Old Testament in the flesh. And God says unto us here, are oh, you like the healings that I've done? You think that was something? Don't you know that I parted the Red Sea? Oh, you think that's something? Don't you know? Hallelujah that I created the earth in six days? Oh, you think that's something, huh? Don't you know I made the axe head float? Oh, you're really impressed with that, huh? You think that's something? Don't you know that I sent fire down from heaven on Mount Carmel to consume all the prophets of Baal? You think that's something? Oh, you're real impressed with that, huh? When I hear God say, you ain't seen nothing yet because I'm getting ready to put myself in a body. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to God that you know that created the heavens and the earth he's getting ready to walk on the ground among you he's getting ready to, to, to be around here look you in the eye but why you coming Jesus he said I ain't coming to hang out and stay I'm coming to suffer for you no wonder John declared behold the lamb of God he is that great sacrifice that died for our sins and so you say you're not going to hell do you know why you're not going Somebody had to die in your place. And it was nobody but Jesus. And so after he has died, we find out here that it is the tradition and the custom after the body, a Jewish body is buried for the women to go after the Sabbath is ended. And they are going to anoint the body with spices for the purposes of embalming. And they are wondering before they get there, not how we're going to clean them, not how we're going to embalm them, but who's going to roll the stone away for us and my God saints they got there and wouldn't you know it they said when they got there the stone was already rolled away can I tell you all something the stone wasn't put there to keep Jesus in the tomb because he already knew he had to get up and the stone couldn't keep him there and couldn't no grave hold him down but the stone was put there for you and us for our benefit so that we can know that God is removing every barrier that's keeping us away from him 
Hallelujah. Oh, the stone is rolled away. You can be healed. The stone is rolled away. You can be saved. The stone is rolled away. You can be delivered. Don't worry about the stone. Don't worry about the barriers and the blockades that the devil is putting between you and Jesus. If you can just get to where he is, the stone will be moved when you get there. Hallelujah. Praise the name of our God. And so when they go in the stone, when they walk up on it, they find out here that the stone has been rolled away. Hallelujah, God. And they see an angel, a man dressed in white apparel standing there. And he is declaring out of his mouth that you're seeking Jesus, but he is no longer here. How many of you know that he got up just like he said he would? hallelujah and I'm so glad that Jesus got up for my sins hallelujah and now that we are here the angel says now that you know that he has risen he says what do you want me to do he says go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee go your way and tell go your way and tell what are you going to do after he heals you Go your way and tell. What are you going to do after he saves you? Go your way and tell. What are you going to do after he delivers you from the clutches of sin? Go your way and tell. It's time to tell somebody about our God. It's time to stop being scared. The government has scared us. The devil has scared us. Our jobs have scared us. Our families have scared us. Our friends have scared us and they silenced our mouths but I've come to remind you that today is the day of salvation today is the time need I remind you that he said that you shall be endued with power you shall be given power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses it's time to get out and witness about our Lord who on your job knows that you saved. Who in your school knows that you saved. Who at Thanksgiving knew you were saved. It's time to open our mouths and tell it. Jesus died according to the scriptures. Tell it. He was buried according to the scriptures. Tell it. He rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And now I'm healed. Now I'm saved. Now I'm delivered. Now I'm walking with the Lord. I've got to tell everybody I love him with my whole heart. I love him with my whole mind. I love him with my whole soul. Lord, I got to love you everywhere I go. I'm going to tell it. I heard a songwriter say, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. He's been too good. He's been too kind. He's been too strong. He's been too wise. He's been too mighty. Tell it. God, we got to tell it. Hallelujah. Can you say yes? 
Can you say yes? It's go, don't let this week go by without telling somebody how long you're going to sit by and watch your family go to hell. How long you're going to sit by and watch your family be in sin. You've got the good stuff. You've got the right stuff. You've got the answer. You've got the antidote. You've got the healing. You've got the balm. You've got the medicine. You've got what they need. Open up your mouth. Tell that no good cousin. Jesus heals and Jesus saves. What you gonna do with what you got? You gonna sit down in your rapture rocking chair and just wait for the Lord to come back? Do something with what you got. Do you remember the story, the parable about the stewards who untook the gift that God gave them and buried it in the ground? And you want to know why a lot of us are going to hell? It's because we won't open our mouths and tell somebody about Jesus. What you scared of? He wasn't scared to heal you. He wasn't scared to save you. He wasn't scared to deliver you. Why won't you talk about it? I made up my mind. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell the world about Jesus. Go tell the world that he lives. Go tell the world that he rose. When you on the road, tell the world that he rose. Hallelujah to God. I'm reminded here that Jesus said, if you go low, I'm with you. Always, even until the end of the world. If you're witnessing the crack house, he'll be with you. If you're witnessing the whorehouse, he'll be with you. If you're witnessing on your job, he'll be with you. The devil done told you that you'll lose your job if you talk about Jesus. But I've come to let you know that that demon on your job ain't stronger than God. And if God tells you to open your mouth, cry aloud and spare not and lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion. God needs somebody that's not scared. God needs somebody. He said, if you deny me here, I'll deny you before my father. What you want Jesus to do, what you're doing with all that Holy Ghost, what you're doing with all that word, what you're doing with all that fasting what you're doing with all that praying you know why you're claw you're, you're spiritually constipated you got all that good stuff up in you and won't let none of it out and can't do nothing with it and so now you're stiff and you're rigid and all you can do is pick on the saints all you can do is find fault with the saints they don't live like they used to live they don't pray like they used to pray well it's time for you to get up and release what God gave you and maybe they'll witness again maybe they'll pray again maybe they'll live again but it's time to tell somebody about Jesus somebody shout hallelujah, hallelujah. yes Lord and to those that are listening to this podcast I'm telling you for some reason my streamer wouldn't work this morning I don't know what's going on the Lord knows I'm telling you this morning whoever's listening I'm telling you about Jesus. If you ain't saved, you just ain't saved. Ain't nothing short of redeemed but being redeemed. Either you're in jail or you're out. Either you're dead or you're alive. Ain't no middle ground. Either you're saved or you ain't. Who's going to walk up to a drowning man and be like, you're, sta you're saved. Stay right there. No good rascal you. No, 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 no. If you have not been repented, 
been baptized in water in Jesus' name and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are not saved. You are not saved. First Peter chapter 3 lets us know baptism is a life the like that the Noah's Ark was a preparing. Wherein eight, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved how? By water. He says, the light figure whereunto baptism doth now also save us. Baptism saves us when? Now. To assume, now he compared baptism to Noah's Ark in the flood, didn't he? To assume that you can be saved without baptism is as foolish to assume that you can swim for 40 days and 40 nights without drowning. The people in the Bible know us, they couldn't do it and be saved. And we can't do this and be saved, but not do this and be saved either. Just as sure as they needed to be on the ark to be saved, you need to be baptized to be saved. And in whose name? Jesus' name. And you need the Holy Ghost. Find us. We bless God for the two souls that were baptized in Jesus' name last week. Amen. We got to tell somebody about Jesus. Who else could have been baptized in Jesus' name today? Because of our witnessing. Amen.